Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. Welcome to The Sweat Room, everybody, for our 18th episode. We're so honored that you've decided to join us, and today we are so so excited to be kicking off our local to global series. We're a church based out of Western New York, so we'll be featuring a few sports ministries and people who are involved in sports here who are really just touching a lot of people's lives through sports to accelerate God's kingdom. So we're so honored and so excited to bring all of you listeners that. And then we'll be going from the local areas to the global, how God is using sports around the world and using his people to use sports just to change other people's lives. So we're so excited for that. And today, to kick off our Local to Global series is Russ Kingsbury. In 2001, Russ was given the opportunity to help create a new youth outreach. And that is how Youth Advantage Buffalo began. In partnership with Phil Habistro and the Wellness Institute of Greater Buffalo in Western New York, Youth Advantage uses basketball, flag football camps, clinics, and leagues to build relationships with children, adolescents, and teens to impact their lives. Youth Advantage, under Russ's leadership, has grown each year and now serves almost 2,000 Western New York children. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and share with a friend. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Russ Kingsbury. Welcome to the sweat room, Russ Kingsbury. It's great to be here, Bjorn. Great to be here, Noah. Yeah, we're glad to have you here, Russ. Um, And... Yeah, I've, I've worked with Russ over the past couple of years. He's one of the first guys I met when moving to Buffalo. And Russ, I know you've been around Buffalo for a while. And so I've got a question for you. Who is the best high school athlete that you've seen come out of Buffalo? High school athlete. Now, you just threw a curve to me there. The best athlete come out of Buffalo, clearly basketball-wise, and we're basketball guys, sure. is Bob Lanier. Okay. Okay. Bob Lanier went to Bennett High School. He did not star in high school, but he was a, a huge human being, six foot eleven inches tall, two hundred and eighty plus pounds. Oh my word! Left-handed, soft, soft shooter, but he was a late bloomer. He didn't really become great until he went to St. Bonaventure. Wow! And at St. Bonaventure, he played in Little Allegheny, New York, down in the Southern Tier, not too yeah. far from Houghton, and um, and Bob led the Bonaventure team to the final four in the NCAA tournament, small little St. Bonaventure in the, uh, I don't, it's either 1969 or 1970. I'm pretty sure it was, um, it was in the early seventies and, uh, they, they, Bob tore his knee up in the semifinal game and they did not beat, they did not win it that year, but they were favored and he was a dominant force drafted by the Detroit Pistons, went to the NBA and had a hall of fame career there. Hmm. And um, he is, he's my favorite. I had, I had a, I was blessed. I had a chance to meet him when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And uh, his father was a friend of my father's and uh, I shook his hand and he, I was not a big kid at that point, but I shook his hand and my hand just disappeared in his hand. This man was one of the <laughs> most huge oh, human beings I had ever met. Yeah. And uh, his father loved Chrysler Imperials. And my dad was in the car business at the time. And so his, my father was always, always working on, um, on Bob's dad's cars and uh, his Imperials, and got a chance to meet him. And he he signed a, a Lanier Trucking uh, business card. He autographed it for me, and it had the Bonaventure schedule that that magic season that they had mm. um, on the back of it with a picture of Bob Jr. 
and uh, just a just a tremendous basketball player and a great NBA star. So, and he he grew up with the Bennett High School, grew up in the streets of Buffalo. So that's my my favorite guy. Wow, that's uh, awesome. That's so cool that you got to meet him and you have sort of some of those memories of that of him sort of going going yeah. through all that. That's so cool. So, Russ, I got a question for you. Why is Buffalo special to you? Now, Buffalo is special to me for reasons and to Noah for reasons and other people. Why is Buffalo special to you? Buffalo special because of family. I think most of us are here, not everyone, but most of us are here because we grew up here, our family's here, people that we love are here. Mm. We always, if you, if you talk to Buffalonians, we criticize, the, we criticize the weather, we complain about the weather, we whine about that. We whine about taxes in New York State. We whine about all kinds of things. We complain about Buffalo. But the truth is that we're here because of family. And, you know, it's, it's one of those places where you can feel family beyond your immediate family. Mm. And, and that's always been a powerful thing in, in, in everyone's lives that have grown up in this area. And so I think that's something. We're, we're not a transitional community where people are moving in and out for jobs and leaving in a couple of years. That is not the typical um, Western New Yorker, the typical Buffalonian. You're here. You're, you, would, true. you know, you know, you endure the so winters. True. You know. Now you haven't had a bad winter here yet. Not yet. <laughs> it's coming though. I already know it. We endure the winters because the people that we love are here, and so we sort of, we sort of kind of do it together. We're in this blizzard mentality, blizzard mode, where we 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 come together at a time when things are tough, and and I think that that creates a a strength, and you know, it's it's adversity, and it's God working through us and making us stronger people. In so many different ways, and so mm. I, I believe family is the reason. So the city of good neighbors. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I I believe that there's some there's some truth there for mm. sure. Mm. Absolutely. So for you, you've been involved with Youth Advantage for a while. Before we fully jump into that, where did your career start? Well, I'm a city guy. I grew up in the west side of Buffalo, lower middle middle class family. Um, was a late came to I came to sports late. We always played. If you grew up in the city of Buffalo, we played we played football in the street a lot. Mm. Car would come down. We play on the on the on the blacktop, and cars would come by, and you just yell out heads or you know car or something like that, and you take a break, and then you keep playing. And <laughs> we'd play two hand touch in the in the middle of the street every day. And so you got to catch the ball, you got to run. Uh, my my family, a lot of families wouldn't let their kids go to playgrounds because playgrounds where fights were happening, things were were a little bit rough. But once I got to be my teens and started. To get more involved with basketball, mm-hmm. we uh, we went to the playgrounds and we played in, in, in all the little community playgrounds. We had our friends there, and you know, basketball players. There weren't many fights. We were there just to have. We were there to play. We weren't really sure, there to sure. prove we're men. We just, of course, there was elements of that, but we were there to to play basketball. And, and the West Side was a great great place to live. Went to Hutch Tech High School, early seventies. It was a time where we, we were going through a lot in the country. Um, mm-hmm. Vietnam War was still going on. Wow. There were a lot of racial issues in the late 60s, early 70s that were, were sometimes very violent. And so it was a, an interesting time. Um, I went to the, I, when I was, uh, was able to, the Boys and Girls Club sent me to South America as an exchange student in 1974. I was three months from being, turning age 17. I was young, and I'm on an airplane flying to South America as an exchange student to the Boys and Girls Clubs. And didn't speak a word of Spanish. I was down there for 10 weeks. Wow. And while I'm down in wow. South America, my sister sends me an application to Houghton College. She says, you have a region scholarship. You have good a good uh, SAT score. Do you want to go to college? And I said, sure. So I hadn't really planned anything beyond high school. And my sister was at Houghton at the time. And I was able to go to Houghton through that. And so the mm-hmm. day after I came back to Buffalo, I was in a registration line 
in college. And so that was a, a, a interesting transition. Sure. And went to Houghton, was able to play basketball there, uh, business and I was a business and sociology major and uh, came back to Buffalo and started selling insurance. Did that for 20 some years. Wow. Enjoyed it. Did really well. Learned a lot. Made a lot of contacts in the city because of those business contacts. But in the evening, I was always involved in youth ministry. I was always involved in playing basketball in leagues. Mm. And so I always, always was really connected to recreation and to sport. And uh, like I said, made a lot of contacts through that. And so um, one day in the early, when it had to be in the 90s, uh, I, had a, I had someone approach me about doing a basketball ministry. It was the late 90s. Mm. And so we, um, they actually got a grant. They received a grant from, it was the South, South Towns Church received a grant for, um, from Buffalo Municipal Housing to do a basketball outreach into the housing projects in, in Buffalo. And they said, Russ, we've got the ministry side of it down, Pat. We, want to, we know what we want to teach, but we don't know how to do the basketball. Mm. And so... I started working with them. I was a high school referee, started working with them, and they paid all the bills, and we were able to do things in the Kenfield Langfield Housing Project, which was right near my home church. And we had a gym in our church, so it was really a natural thing for me to work there. And A.D. Price, Shoreline, all the all the projects you drive by had two basketball teams that they would send us, and we would we'd do a devotional, and we would do... Um, we do a devotional with the kids, and we play basketball in the shirts, high school wow. refs, trophies, pizza parties. We made sure mm. that they were done at a pretty high level. Did, it for, did that for a couple of years. And I was home one day, and uh, I get a phone call from the person who was the contact at the South Towns Church. And he said, Russ, we're not going to fund Youth Advantage anymore. And I was wow. like, and this was late August. And I was at home sitting in my recliner when they said that. I remember, you know, what happened. <laughs> and... Uh, and I just, I was like, okay. I mean, I had other ministry I was involved. It wasn't my main thing at the time. But what happened was I uh, I hung up the phone and I called up a woman that I used to hang out with. And she says to me, um, how's basketball? I said, eh, it's funny. We just lost our funding. She says, how much do you need? I said, ah, $3,000. She says, you got it. I said, what do you mean? She says, I work for the American Cancer Society. She wow. says, I have to have an inner city health project in three days and I have nothing. She says, you're an answer to prayer. That's mm. amazing. And um, a week later, I get a check in the mail to me for $3,000. Oh, and I was like, I can't accept this. Is this income? How is it perceived? And so I knew right away I had to um, I had to develop a not-for-profit. And so I went online, and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to create a not-for-profit. And I'm reading everything I could read. And as I'm doing that, I said, i got to get a cup of coffee. I, I lived downtown at the time. I went and put my flip-flops on and shorts, <laughs> went to Spot Coffee on Chippewa Street, and I see a guy from Houghton that I hadn't seen in 20 years. And Russ, how you doing? Hugs me, and we're, we're, we're sort of catching up while there's a, a, he's sitting in there with a the gentleman. And I'm telling him, he's, you know, trying to set up a not-for-profit. That's what I'm doing. He goes, oh, Russ, you got to talk to this guy. And he do, introduces me to a gentleman named Phil Haberstroh. Wow. Phil runs something called the Wellness Institute of Greater Buffalo and Western New York out of City Hall. Mm. They, um, they birth not-for-profits. Go Bike Buffalo came out of there, Grassroots Gardens, a lot of the major not-for-profits that are doing a lot in Western New York and in Buffalo came out of Phil's office. Mm. Phil's done a lot with us, with uh, non-smoking bands and things like that in Erie County. He's been a very big proponent of that. Tonawanda Coke he's been involved in. Wow. There's been a lot of situations that he's been involved in. So I met Phil. We had three meetings. We wrote up a contract. 
and I started partnering with the Wellness Institute, and, and that was fascinating because they bring in, rather than just having not, not the spiritual I- impact, they brought in a health and wellness component that I'd never thought about. Sure. And so now all of a sudden we were, we were involved with health and wellness and um, talking about sugar intake and drug and alcohol, the impact of drug and alcohol on your your, your body, and, and trying to do health education with the, with children that really just wanted to go to the store and buy bear claws and and um, and Mountain Dew, right. you know. And so that that opened up another side to Youth Advantage where we did have a health and we do have a health and wellness component that came in because of Phil's strong influence. But I also got a grant writer from that. We, we had not-for-profit status. He created a structure for financial accountability that I had instantly. Um, City Hall address didn't hurt when we were writing grants mm. and uh, office and mail and things like that that I had instantly because of this relationship. And again, a coincidental meeting through a Houghton contact on Chippewa Street in downtown mm. Buffalo. Wow. And so now all of a sudden we, we start, and again, I, and again, the, the, you know, I was just, a, I was, a, I am, I'm a lay person. I am not a pastor. Sure. You know, I'm a guy sitting in a pew that's sitting there feeling guilty every Sunday because I lost my temper that week or, you know, maybe I did something I shouldn't have done that week that I, you know, just a normal human being that was, was just seeking, you know, just was being prompted by the, by the Holy Spirit, I I believe in that time to do something for all these kids that we see. And so, um, what happened was we, started working with them and the program exploded mm. and I always felt that one of the reasons why was because we crossed over between city and suburban rural city uh, public and parochial and you know school Canisius St. Francis Nichols St. Joe's all those guys participated with us alongside with Bennett Emerson Hutch Tech mm. you know uh, Grover I prep now and um, those we brought, we really brought people together. And our formula was that we prayed before our games at halftime. You know, so if you look at a lot of our pictures, you'll see people in a prayer circle before the game holding hands. There's a, literally hundreds of pictures of that out there on our Facebook page. And um, and I think that 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 helped to set the tone before we start playing. Now the kids are sitting there saying, "Well, this isn't just like any regular game that I'm doing in my neighborhood where I can swear and fight and argue." You know, this is a little different. Mm-hmm. And then we'd sit the kids down at halftime, and we'd do a five to five to ten minute devotional. And I tried my best not to be long winded for some of these devotionals, but we did. We literally did thousands of these devotionals, and we talked about breaking down racial barriers. There's neither slave nor slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. Mm-hmm. We would talk about you know how God sees you and how He loves you, and we just talked about all those themes throughout those half times. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, at the end of the game, win or lose, we shook hands. And that was kind of our format that we used consistently through all of this. And the program just expanded. Wow. And, and now we do flag football. The Bills have been a wonderful sponsor for NFL flag. We do it at the, the turf field in South Buffalo, the Pierce Field at Mulberry Park. Um, Buffalo Legacy Project allows us to use that field. Um, we've, done, we've done some international soccer with... Um, some people from Watermark Westland as well, mm. and from I think Fellowship Westland is in West Seneca. I think that's the name of Faith Westland. I'm not sure, but it's yeah. they they were big advocates of a, a soccer program that we ran with uh, with uh, refugees, international students on the west side. Cool. So all these things have sort of happened, and it's just been a a, a, a journey really oh. from here to there, and and. Um, that's 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 kind of part of the story. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Russ. That's really awesome, and I, I definitely learned some things there that maybe I didn't fully know before. Uh, as I'm sitting here across the table from you, I can see your heart and your passion. 
Uh, can you maybe shed some light for us of, of where that passion comes from? Why, why are you passionate about the work that Youth Advantage does in the city of Buffalo and around surrounding communities? Well, I think, I think there's two parts. The first one is my faith. I was raised in a small church on the west side of Buffalo, Faith Gospel Tabernacle, on West Utica Street in Shenango, and that was our home. It was an Italian Pentecostal ministry. Mm. Bjorn, North Shore, when you're dealing with Italian Pentecostals, there is no shortage of passion. Okay? <laughs> my uncles, my uncles, and my aunts, and everyone just, they love the Lord. They were all crazy at times. Um, but we grew up in that type of an environment. We, we, were, we, we were in church seeking after God. We, we did a lot of things. And again, it was a, that was a, a growth experience for me growing up in the faith. Um, was just was a, was a big part of it, knowing the Lord, and you know trying to live our lives in a certain way and, and trusting in Him. Those were all aspects of growing up. In the, and really, we were on the streets in Buffalo, New York. We were we were not sheltered. We went to public school. We had unsafe friends that were around us. We had we had a it was a real experience. It wasn't manufactured. Going to Houghton was tough mm. because I went to Houghton and everyone's nice. Right. I wasn't I wasn't used to that. You yeah. know, but but we grew up in the in the and really on the streets of Buffalo as, as good as my great as my parents were with with teaching us right and wrong. We were out there with some rough situations, but we we grew up in that in that scenario. So I, th- I think a big part of it is our faith. The second part of it, I think, is part of the is, was how we ra- we were raised. Mm-hmm. We were raised in a, in, a, in a situation where we were encountered every day. I understood what racial profiling was when I was 13 years old. Wow. I had a black friend of mine get picked up. And, you know, by, by Tonawanda police riding his bicycle through Tonawanda. Wow. And he tells me, he says, Russ, he says, I always get picked up. I said, what do you mean you get picked up? I didn't believe him. I was, I was arguing with him. He goes, no. I said, what'd you do? He says, nothing. That happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I understood racial profile. We were woke in the <laughs> 70s, you know, in the 60s. Sure, okay. Sure. So if you lived there and you were, you know, a basketball player, or you were involved with, with churches. You know that was a part of it, but I think I think my faith plus the environment that I was blessed to be raised in, kind of brought me to a point where you have a passion for the person next to you. You understand what they're going through. You mm. you kind of relate to um, you relate to the adversity that a kid, maybe a refugee kid, on Vermont Street, you know, at, at Westside Community Services, a kid like that is going through because and we had no money. My dad was a cab driver and he worked in the car business, mm. and so we we grew up. I remember he got he got a twelve thousand dollar job one year and we were thrilled there was more money than we knew what to do with wow but that was how we were raised and a very humble upbringing uh, my i will get i will say this my parents were very unusual we always had people living in our homes who were newly saved who had been had in living lives that were what was that like I changed my bedroom. I had to move from bedroom to bedroom in our house every six months. I went away to college. I came home from college to visit one day, and some some somebody's living and some guys living in my bedroom that showed up at church. Oh man! That my parents took them in. We had always had a, a foster kids in the house. We had people of different races. Mm. We had recovering drug addicts. Wow! You know, we had we had just constantly always had people living with us that needed to live. And my sister and I just figured that was the way everybody lived. And wow. we, we grew up with that. So I give my parents credit. They were very unselfish. Mm. And my dad was interesting because my dad died in 1985, died too young. And uh, my dad always ran events. And this is another thing I think that this has kind of influenced me. My dad used to run a church picnic that hundreds and hundreds of people would come to. 
and it was Russ's picnics, and they were always my. What they didn't know is that I was doing all the work because I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. I'd be carrying in all the the soda and the hot dogs and the sausage and the watermelon. I'd be doing all the legwork. My dad wasn't doing it, but he would. He it was his picnic. Yeah. Right. But we would do you know church picnics, and literally hundreds and hundreds of people come to these picnics because they were such events. And I think my father had an ability to do event planning, even though. Mm-hmm. He didn't really know that he did officially, sure. but you know that's it's kind of a blend of those things, Bjorn. And maybe my, my folks, my faith, and and the environment that I grew up in, I think maybe have brought me to the point that I just I do have a passion for for souls, and I have a passion that you know we need to we need to share Christ, we need to share that that life that's in us with with people that are sitting next to us, not necessarily always from a pulpit. But, you know, when was the last time you witnessed to, you know, the woman that takes care of you at the bank or maybe the, the, the person that's cleaning up at Tim Hortons or what have you? Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a I think there there's that's part of our mission that sometimes we just, you know, maybe we're blind to it. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think what, what I see is you see a need. You know, the answer is Christ and the way that he's transformed your life. Mm-hmm. And since you see this need. You say, I want to help. I want to do something. And as we've gone through your story, hearing about your family, hearing about about your upbringing and the contacts you made through selling insurance, through the passion that you felt by living in inner city Buffalo, to all of this, to your experience playing basketball at Houghton, has uniquely wired you to be in this position now where you see that need and you say, hey, I can fix that. Or not, not fix, but I can help. I can help shine light where there may be is darkness and and I love that and that you know you said you're a layperson you're not a pastor and every one of us has a god gifted ability and passion and you're saying all right let's go let's run let's let's do this and I I love seeing that and that's such an encouragement to me and I've worked alongside you for about two years now and it's been such a blessing and most of the things we do is through basketball can you maybe share with us of why is basketball one of your main focuses for an avenue that you use very early Bjorn this great great point very early on part of that journey was to recognize that how do we do this I feel something people people are sitting in your pews at Watermark Westland and they're you know I, I Holy Spirit doesn't stop it, it keeps provoking I never heard a voice I just had a, I just had a feeling inside that broke my heart to see this, mm. you know. And and there's people like that at Senior Church, but maybe they sell, say hell and damn once in a while, mm. you know. Maybe they don't know the scripture the way that they that they the, the staff knows it, and they feel almost an inferiority complex. They don't feel empowered to go out there, and maybe they don't want to wear the Christian Service Brigade uniforms, and maybe they're not outdoors people, you know. Sometimes I think those people find a place. In, in, in sports ministry mm. and, and I love that mm. you know and so you know um, the the idea of the idea of all those all those things we've talked about we came, it got to the point where I said the vehicle is sport mm. you know my relationship with my coaches okay impacted my life and I said you know we could be doing a dance class we could be doing you know, uh, arts and crafts program. We could be doing this, but I felt that the 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 key way, the best way to reach these kids, is through sport. And again, mm. it's very Pauline. Again, imagine if the Apostle Paul came to Buffalo, New York, looked around, 
He said, man, the weather here, it snows like eight months of the year. Okay? It's not, <laughs> not, not quite eight, but Not close. quite eight, but <laughs> maybe he would, not. He would, maybe he, not. It feels like eight. It does feel like eight sometimes. <laughs> but he would come in and he would look around and he'd say, you know, the weather's not great, you know, for a large portion of the year. He would say, these people are sports crazy. There's people jumping out onto <laughs> flaming tables at Bills games. You know, there's people that, you know, are loving hockey. Thousands and thousands of people coming into the arenas. And he'd look around, just like he did in Athens, and say, I need to speak their language. Mm-hmm. I need to present the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, in a way that they can receive it. Wow. And so just like Paul talked about running a race and boxing and the different ways that Paul taught the gospel. You know, I believe that if he were here in Buffalo, he'd look around and say, basketball. Kids want to play ball. You know, they want to play basketball. And I've had I've had jobs and programs that I've run where I tried to do flag football and soccer and hockey, and they'd work for a while. But at the end, I'd have 30 guys behind me saying, come on, Russ, get rid of these hockey players. Let's play basketball. You know, it, it draws numbers. And so I felt that was a, that's the language of the inner city is basketball. In some neighborhoods, it is football as well. Soccer is a great vehicle and getting more and more popular in West New York all the time. Mm. But basketball was a natural. Also, I was a poor kid. I didn't have any money. I never owned a basketball until I became an adult. We would just go to the playground and play. Somebody would have a ball. We didn't care whether it was a good ball. We would play with whatever was there. Mm. But you don't need a lot of money to play basketball. You don't need a big field. We didn't have any big fields around. So football was a street game. Soccer was non-existent for us. Mm. And so basketball just seemed like the logical vehicle. And then again, God positioned me as a basketball referee, as a former player, knowing coaches, knowing situations, putting me in a position where basketball was the natural thing to the natural vehicle. But everything came to the point that that sports was the vehicle. Build relationship through these sporting events mm-hmm. with the kids, and then ultimately you're going to be able to, to, to earn the right sure. to share Christ. So for you, what sticks out of doing ministry in the inner city versus doing it in the suburbs? And how what what breaks your heart so so much for the kids that you work with? Absolutely, great question. Noah. Absolutely, huge difference between ministering in the suburbs and the city. Some things are the same. You love a kid, and, sure. and they know you care. People want to know they want to know that you care. Not not how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the important thing. You, and if you can relate that, doesn't matter where they live. But but city kids playing basketball is huge for them. Mm-hmm. They go to the playground. They're going to work. They want to, They get their respect on the basketball court, you know, and that's how they get their standing in the neighborhood is by being great on the court. Just like being when I when I started playing golf, man. If you're a great golfer, people respect you. You know, I'm telling you, that's for old for old guys that play that play golf. That's why we're practicing. <laughs> you, I'm telling you, if you can play. I have a couple of friends that can play, and they are so well respected. Same thing with the kids that we deal with in the city. They're, they're, you know, basketball is a way that they they get their identity, mm. and so, um, and so that becomes that becomes the the the, the, the vehicle for them. The suburban kids, they've got their comfortable families. I always felt like the suburban kids were afraid of what they could lose. Mm. Dad loses his job, their lives are in chaos. The parents go through a divorce, their lives are in chaos. You know, the, the suburban kids, I felt always felt they had something to lose. The city kids have nothing to lose. Mm. You know, they really don't. They're out there trying to find. And it's a very different approach. You know, one of the, one of the, um, the devotions that we do talks about, talks about who you are and why are you valuable because you can play basketball? Are you valuable because you're good looking? Mm-hmm. Are you valuable because you've got a girlfriend? What makes you valuable? And we talk about how you're valuable because God loves you and he, he loved you so much 
that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And so we talk about those issues with our city kids right away. We want them to know when they're home alone in a room that they're not an accident of biology. Hmm. God has a purpose for their lives. He has a plan. I'm not here by accident. Even though they may not know who their dad is, and, a, and single, single parent households are an epidemic in the city right now. Mm. One of my favorite verses is uh, the last verse of the first chapter of James where it says, true and undefiled religion is this, that you keep yourself unspotted from the world and you take care of widows and orphans in their plight. Mm. How, how more direct can scripture get? This is true and undefiled religion. Okay, is to keep yourself unspotted from the world and to take care of widows and orphans in their plight. Widows and orphans, probably 90% of the kids that I deal with are from single-parent households where the parent is working. Wow. That's an orphan. That's a kid that's out there trying to figure out life on his own. Mm. One of my anecdotal stories is one night I'm at the Expressway Gym right next to Kenfield Langfield Housing Projects. It's a Monday night. It's a school night. And it's getting late. We're running late. The games are running late. And I'm looking at the clock, and it's like 1030 at night. And I look, and I'm sweeping the floor. I'm trying to clean everything up so we can get out of the building. And there's a 11-, 12-year-old kid in the gym named Chris. And he's shooting around. I said, Chris, you got to go home. And Chris says, okay. Puts, I put the broom down. I said, come on, hop in the car. I'll take you. I lock up the church building. I drive the kid home. We go around the block to the projects. And I see this 11, 12-year-old kid, not even as high as your waist, go up to the house. house is pitch dark. Wow. Unlocks the door, and he goes in. Mm. This is 10, 30, 11 at night. I saw him the next day. I said, Chris, I, or no, actually, actually, I'm sorry. I go back to the story. That night... When I'm talking to him, I said, call your mom. That was the first thing I said to him, call your mom. He goes, my mom's, my mom's at work. She was mopping floors at, at, the, at, the, at the HSBC arena, whatever they call it, the key, key bank arena downtown. Yeah. And so here's a kid, 11, 12-year-old kid, only child, going home to an empty house on a school night. Mm. That's, that's an orphan. That's a kid that's being raised a good part on his own. You know, but that's that scripture always inspired me. That's that's true and undefiled religion. If we really want to re- be religious, those are two things that we should do. Mm-hmm. But that 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 you know was part of my aha experience. That was a light bulb lighting up over Russ's head, saying, "Wow, this need is even greater than than I imagined." Wow, you know, yeah. And, and again, I, I believe that that was a moment in time where God wanted to show me something. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, there's a humility to it. It's just driving a kid home. Yeah. I want to tell you one more one more story. Can I do that? Absolutely. Another, another again, it's been a it's been a series of anecdotal aha situations. One night I'm driving. We we did a girls basketball thing at the Delvin Grader Community Center, and I'm I didn't even know these girls. I had done nothing with them before, and I'm driving this one girl home, and I I, I to this day I don't remember remember her name, but I dropped her off at her house, and as she's getting out of my van. Her mother, her, her, her mother's on the porch screaming at her. Okay, it's deep in the east side of Buffalo. And, um, and I, I shut the door. I got out of there. You know, I'm like, the girl's, I don't know who the girl is. She gets screamed at, right? So I, I'm going, I live downtown at the time. I'm driving down the 33 heading toward downtown Buffalo. And my phone rings, and it's the girl. She says, Coach, can you come back here? I need your help. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, do I know how to get back there? You know? And so I turned the car around. I figured out. I got lost a couple of times. I figured out where she lived. I get to the house. They're on the porch arguing. We go in the house. The television, big, big uh, coffee table in the middle of the living room. Television is blaring. Babies are crying. Just a totally, I'm walking in. I'm, I'm the basketball coach. I'm walking into this chaotic 
home situation. And I really felt the Holy Spirit just gave me a piece in it. And I just said, ma'am, can we shut off the TV? She goes, sure. They shut the TV off. And she was get, the girl was getting yelled at because she didn't call to tell her mother that she was at basketball and the grandmother had gone, had gone in the hospital that night. And so she was upset that she couldn't reach her daughter. But they were viciously screaming at each other. Wow. So what happened next was I said, "Let's can we just pray? I didn't know what to do. Again, I'm not a pastor. Mm-hmm. I said, can we just pray? And they said, yes. And then the funniest thing, about six of us, two or three little ones, were holding hands around this coffee table. There were probably cigarettes and beer cans on the coffee table. This was probably 11 at night. Okay. And we're holding hands around the, around the coffee table, and we just prayed, and I just felt like the whole spirit of the whole, mm. you just feel the, the, the tension leave the room, that Holy Spirit came in and, and just comforted wow. and um, hugged me, and I left. And I'm driving home, and I said, you know, they didn't call their pastor. They didn't call, you know, one of the pastors you see on TV. Mm. They called the basketball coach. I said, I was at a point in time where that was where I was supposed to be. That's beyond me. You know, that's God. That's beyond the, that's beyond me in that scenario. Sad story is that girl did get killed about a year and a half later. She was shot. Wow. She was a victim of violence in Buffalo. Oh, my Lord. And she was a sweetheart. She was just such a nice girl. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, again, those are those are moments in time. where. The, but again, would it have happened without basketball? Would it have happened without? No. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the, the journey and part of why we do this. But, but the, the answer to the question that Bjorn started before I started babbling is that, <laughs> is that we've, we've said, okay, all these things are important, but we believe the vehicle is sport. Mm. We believe the vehicle is basketball clinics, basketball games, football games, football clinics, soccer games, soccer clinics. How can I build a relationship? How can me, big old bald-headed older guy, Build a relationship with a kid in the east side of Buffalo that's, that's 14 years old, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I can bring I can bring fun to him. I can bring sports to him. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, I can share with them Christ. I can share with them. I can help them with their issues and difficulties. They're, it's almost too simple for most people's brains to to. That's all they need. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. And so so we 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 don't sit around and pray saying God, what vehicle do you want? We know what we're doing. We are using sport to build relationships. Now, how can we in- intensify those relationships so that we can get to know the kids better? That's the challenge hmm. and creating things. And we've done that with process basketball where we've gotten away from leagues, the, the referees and the expenses and the arguing, and we're doing training. We're working on health and wellness through that. Hmm. Where Bjorn's been sharing devotionals. I've shared devotionals as part of that. So there, the kids are hearing the word. Hmm. Um, it's always a bite. So we try to be bite-sized. You don't want to throw three-part sermons at the kids because they're not going <laughs> to, they're not going to, um, get that much from it. One, another anecdotal story. I'm at Buff State watching the, the basketball sectionals one year and Riverside's playing against another team. Riverside High School is playing against another team. And I'm sitting in my seat and all of a sudden a kid comes out of the layup line, the warm-up line, comes into my seat and he's got his face. He's all fired up. He goes, rush, rush, rush. He says, I says, what was that thing you taught us? And I'm like, dude, I said, it was like in October. I said, I don't remember what I taught you. And he goes, no, no. He goes, you said, I can do all things. I can do all things. I said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He goes, thank you. And he goes back in the, in the lamp line. Wow. Now, sometimes we think we share the gospel. And, the, you know, the Bible says the word, that word never, doesn't return void. We share the gospel. We think, oh, did the kid really listen? They listen. Hmm. You know, there's there's impact with the word of God. And so I had, again, all these experiences made me, it, it solidified my resolve. It reinforced why I thought, why it reinforced the mission, hmm. you know, so. Yeah, no, that that's so good. And 
Russ, man, I could talk to you all day. Um, and I love hearing about Youth Advantage and what you guys are doing right now. Not, not only what you have done in the past, what you're doing right now. And for our listeners listening, are there ways that they can get involved with Youth Advantage, whether it's volunteering, helping out, or giving money and supporting financially? How can people get involved with Youth Advantage and what you're doing in Buffalo? Sure. There's usually there's three ways, and that, you know, one is through one is through prayer. Obviously, we want, we we covered everyone's prayers, and we, we know that that's why we're where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, financially, you know, we we do take we do receive support, and that's would be wonderful. And there there are things that we can do online in that regard. The third one. Is that is that you know we we're always looking for scorekeepers, coaches, you know so, sometimes some people may say I love the vision, I love the mission, but I'm not a, a rec person. Well, I believe that more ministry takes place between the basketball court and driving the kids home. Sometimes there was a family. Oh my gosh, I wish I could remember their last name. There was a family from the Tabernacle Orange Park that adopted a team one year, and they had a group of of black and Hispanic teens, about ten of them, that they just adopted. And they picked them up for church on Sundays. They were at their, they had through birthday parties for them. They had them at their birthday parties. They were at their graduations for, I'm not exaggerating, probably for a decade. Wow. You know, this That's family, crazy. these families, and the kids were out and they lived in East Aurora. Um, first names were Dick and Debbie. I can't remember the last names. I apologize. But they adopted that family and took in minister. We've talked for, for years about doing a chaplaincy program. Mm-hmm. Where we have people that come in and they adopt kids, they adopt teams, they adopt. I mean, the, the, that couple I was just speaking about from Eastura, they would bring in a tray of brownies or cookies every game, mm-hmm. and love the kids that way. And the, the bond between them was was you, you could you could you could feel it. Mm-hmm. The kids adored these these this couple, and um, and I've run into their children over the children from that program over the years, and they're all living for the Lord. They're all involved in church. They're all involved in some type of ministry. The fruit has been there. That's incredible. And so there's different ways, but but yeah, it, it, best thing to do is just contact me, and when we can place people in, uh, you know, talk about it and find a place where people can serve. But it's it's really about loving kids, but using sports as a means to do that. One thing we are doing, we're trying to expand our NFL flag football program. So anybody that's interested in football, and right now flag football is an approved sport by New York State. Right. I think soccer is okay, uh, baseball, softball, and flag football are okay. Tackle football is not, basketball is not, hockey is not, I think, mm-hmm. if I understand what I've read lately. But um, we, we're definitely looking for more help in regards to our flag football program. That's awesome. So, we'll, we'll definitely put your contact information, if that's okay with you, in the sure. description. And then anybody listening to this, if you do want to contact Russ and learn more, you can feel free to contact him and he can direct you from there. Russ, as we wrap up here, is there any just last final remarks or statements for our listeners well let's do some thanks then i want to thank you know bjorn it's been a pleasure working with you no i'm just getting to know you and i love your your spirit and um the watermark wesleyan church has opened their doors to us Mm -hmm. and um and just given us a great opportunity and the, the the number of people that are coming in from hamburg that are looking for something like what we're offering has been astounding to me. It's shocking. John Reynolds has been a great partner with you and I. Um, the, the Hamburg boys coach, we're getting to know Amy Steger again, the girls coach. What a nice uh, uh, group to work with. But I, I, I just think the ministry of the hub is just amazing. And um, we're, we're, we have a new relationship right now with the Seneca Babcock, um, Arlene Mahailu Community Center that we're looking to do some more things. Gives us more of a, a South Buffalo, East Buffalo 
um, approach. I've just mentioned to you that I'm, I'm working on some deals right now with some people in, in, in Niagara County and Niagara Falls mm -hmm. as far as bringing some clinics and, and some programs there. So, you know, there, there's, there's more than enough work out there. You know, there's, there's, there's more, there's so many opportunities. And so, um, I just, I, I think that's all I have for you. That, that's, that's really about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much Russ, for, for being with us today. It's um, good to be here. I know I always am inspired in, in hearing you talk and your story and just how you are so in tune with the Holy Spirit and what he's leading you to do. And you're going after that full force. And so I, I, I thank you for that. And, um, yeah, I hope our listeners enjoyed as well. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Russ, for joining us today. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts from Russ's interview today? Yeah, that was a that was a fun conversation. I always love talking to Russ. He's a great guy. Um, I think I want to go back to early on when we were talking with him just about the, the second question we asked about why Russ loves Buffalo. And Russ, Russ basically summed it up in one word, family. Family is why he loves Buffalo, and that's why he endures the, the cold winters, the heartbreaking NFL and NHL seasons is because of family. And not just immediate family, but he talked about how our neighbors become our family. And you hear it said, Buffalo is the city of good neighbors. And I could really see that play out in Russ's life as he talked about different stories from coaching basketball and about how uh, those players that he's coaching become family to him, and their family becomes his family. And you can really see how his actions reflect that. Um, and, and I just love that posture that Russ has about loving his neighbor as himself. And so that's something I really appreciate. And that was, I think, my biggest reflection point, Noah. What, what about you? What were some of your reflection points there? Yeah, I absolutely loved just his intentionality with his players, with the city of Buffalo. Um, you can tell that Russ really loves Buffalo, the city of it. And he loves Jesus, too. I love how he just talks about when he was just sitting in the pews and he, he's just a regular guy who was just listening to what the Holy Spirit had for him. Um, and I just love the stories of just even when uh, he he had the, the mission of just doing basketball for God's glory and, and just receiving money at the right time. Or it's, you know, he's intentional with his players, like like the girl who was fighting with his with her mom. Um, and he was just, he was so intentional with her. And, and tragic, mm -hmm. tragically, she died after that. Um but yeah, you just see his, you see his heart. So I, I really love that. And, and I know Bjorn for you, you've really gotten to know Russ. Um, and, and I'm sure it was cool just to hear even more of those stories as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember the first time I met Russ, I coached against him. <laughs> I coached against him in the winter. Um, it was, I think it was January of, of 2019 and I was afraid of him. I was deathly afraid because this man was yelling at his players. He was barking orders. He was getting them all gung-ho. They were full court pressing us, and we were down by 25 points in the first half. Oh, man. And this is the first game that my team had played that I had coached them, and we were just like, oh, no, we're in for a long game here. And I remember talking to him after the game. I was just like – I went up to him, and I talked to him about how I didn't think it was – being a good sport, full court pressing a team when you're already winning by so much and keeping that pressure up. And I remember he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Bjorn, he said, these boys, they need this type of leadership. Mm. He said, they need to be kept in line. They need accountability. He said, and I am this big white man here ready to do it. <laughs> 
And so I, I love that because in that instance, I saw that he was not there to beat us in the basketball game. Although as a coach, that's what he wants to do. He was there to pour into those kids' lives and to be a positive role model for them. And, and I love that. From that moment on, I didn't see him as this big, scary guy. I saw him as this, he's a guy just full of love, big love, big love, big Russ. So that, that was just, you know, I, I love the relationship I have with Russ and getting to know him and see the ministry that he does in the city of Buffalo and the people that he impact. It's really, really awesome. Next week, everybody, you don't want to miss out on our series that we got going on, our Local to Global series, week two. Next week is Mark Jentz. Mark is president of a company that he runs. Of, it's called Golf Car Express. And during his free time, he helps run what is called the Western New York Christian Basketball League. This is such an amazing league where kids all the way from Pennsylvania to inner city Buffalo come and play basketball here at Watermark Wesleyan Church. And it's a Christian basketball league. They hear the message of Jesus as well as just playing basketball. It's such a cool league. And Mark dives in just a little about himself and just how God has used his life and sports. I'm telling you, this is a conversation you do not want to miss. It's going to be a great one. And remember, here in the sweat room, we get it, got it, give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 